Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Bunker Putties Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Blackout Brandon. I'm your other co-host, JD. And today we're going to be talking about the O.J. Simpson case. Now, before we get into that, we're going to be discussing our beer podcast. Our bop. Our bop today is going to be Corona. But not just any Corona. What you're going to do is you're going to take a little sip out of your Corona, bring it down to the bottleneck, and you're going to mix it with the Serrano. I've already mixed mine. I made a mess. You might catch it in the bloopers. Let's see if Blackout can do his. I eye this because I'm a professional. I don't need to tell you it's a shot or whatever. He's like gently pouring it in. I think that's a rookie mistake. I think you just need to mix it. All right. We put it in there. Good luck. Are you going to turn it upside down? All right. Stick it in your mouth. I think that's the best option at this point because it's going to explode. I just broke the lid. I don't know if you can hear it in the, but it's like hissing. It's hissing and I'm here for it. <laughs> but right. it's supposed to take, taste like Dr. Pepper. Remember, Corona, DeSerrano, let's taste it. It does. I, I don't taste any of the alcohol. No, that, that tastes like, um, it lost its carbonation, though. Yeah, that is very flat Dr. Pepper. Yeah. But it's cold, and it's alcoholic, so. I can't really complain. B.O.P. But let's dive in. The O.J. Simpson trial. I'm calling it a trial just because, as we know, if you don't know at home, he was acquitted. So he well, he was found not guilty. What do you think? So what uh, do you know about the O.J. Simpson? So trial? Bef- before, after doing my research, before okay. So before, all I really knew is that it seemed as though O.J. Simpson committed a crime, killed his ex-wife and some guy, and that he was later convicted in a um financial or what is he? What do you call that word? It's like he's financially reliable. Uh, like the same way they held the government uh, responsible for killing Martin Luther. Yes, where it's like. Technically, yes, you're guilty, but we can't put you in jail, so we're just going to charge you a bunch of money. That's, basically. That's, what, that's, that's as far as I knew. Yeah, that's basically what happens. That's what I knew leading into this. I also knew that I knew about this case because it was so popular. It's referenced through media constantly. Yeah. It is the biggest, I would say, case in modern history. I would say it, it's still bigger. I would say the only one that would rival this would probably be the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Yes, and that even was, though there's no murder, I feel shitting in someone's bed is probably just as equal to <laughs> the murder of Doobie. I mean, I not official shitting, bunker buddies. Shitting in the bed is like killing two people. That is where our stance is. That is not the official bunker buddies. I don't know. I think that's what we we keep this in. All right, that that's the official statement. That's the quote of the podcast. The, Don't the shit quap- in someone's bed, or you can. Get- no, shitting in someone's bed is as equal as to killing two people. All right. <laughs> so if you shit in my bed, that's a killing two of my family members. All right. So go ahead. And let's go ahead and lead us into this. All right. So just a overview of the case. This case is about the murder of Nicole Brown and Ronald J. Goldman. Um, Nicole and Goodman were found dead at Brown's estate, uh, at Buddy Drive, Los Angeles, California. Um, the two were, na- uh, the two were found by Nicole's neighbors around 10 o'clock at night, uh, after one of their dogs are kind of like running around barking and we'll, and we'll get more into that, but yeah. they both were found around 10 o'clock at night by Nicole's neighbors. Let's tie this in now right. to... Why this is is tying in OJ? Why is OJ related to these two people? All right. Um, Nicole was actually in a relationship with OJ Simpson. Um, They met in 1977. Uh, She was 18. He was about 30 years old. It was like one of his last few years in the NFL. So the age gap. That's that's a that's a pretty big age gap. That's a big age. It's legal, but it's weird. She was a waitress at the club called Daisies. Um, He was also married at the time. Still married to his first wife. Um, they would get a divorce and they would marry, uh, 
OJ and Nicole would marry in 1985. So there's a lot of um, flags. There's a lot of flags. There's a lot of crossovers. <laughs> Cheating is never good. No. There's a flag on the play right there. So um, so a, I guess he was a football player. I, I, I get your stupid reference, okay. and I, I wish you didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this was a red flag because not only was there a big age difference that he was that he was cheating on his wife very publicly as well. Mm, yeah. Is that this relationship with Nicole would become very physical. Uh, multiple 911 calls were made. Um, you can actually find two of the 911 transcripts online today. Like you can go through and there's transcripts, there's audio of, of these calls that Nicole made that do make OJ look not like the best guy. Yeah, I wouldn't say a murderer, but not the best guy. So, um, I the the biggest one was that apparently she did report that he had his her his hands around her th- at one time. Now, I didn't hear the transcript for that one. That was just now that was based on court documents. So, I'm guessing if it was brought into court and put as court documents, that there was some sort of evidence to it. Yeah. Well, in 1989, mm-hmm. a 911 call was placed, and when police arrived. Nicole ran out from out from out the bushes, mm-hmm. right? She was wearing pants and a bra. Okay. That was it. She was like very obviously beaten, bruised, uh, and she was screaming at the officer, he's trying to kill me. Multiple times. Fuck. She would not stop. He is trying to kill me. Um, OG comes out and goes, Hey officer, this was a big misunderstanding. This is a family matter. You can go home now. And he goes, Well, I don't think so. Um, another police officer arrived at the time they cover up Nicole and they're they're talking. While this is happening, OJ has time to hop in his Bentley and he takes off. Really? Yes. Because nobody was under arrest at this time. So they take Nicole down to the station. She makes a statement and signs it. Like a few days later, they come back. Obviously, OJ's there. Well, Nicole kind of changes her attitude about it. She doesn't want to press charges. However, there's enough evidence there that city of LA charges uh, OJ. I'm going to read this really quick. Is Spousal battery. Okay. That's what he's charged with. Okay. A spousal battery. Um, and he, he pays like a huge hefty sum of money to the like LA women's battery or the women's, the women's shelter. Yeah. It, it's supporting women who've gone through, uh, spousal abuse, abuse. Yeah. All right. So he pays money. It's not a lot of money in, in hindsight. It's, it's really not a lot of money, but that's kind of what, what happens. Okay. And he's also forced to go to therapy. Got it. But good news is, is that she does file for divorce and leaves him in 1992. Good for her. Most people in a situation. Yeah. So, um, so now that we know their kind of relationship, the divorce in 92, let's hop into the investigation. All right. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start with the investigation. Um, early morning of July 13th, 1994, two of Nicole's neighbors were led to, uh, led to the crime scene. Now this is early morning. So I think it was, Sometimes after midnight, the um, the documentaries I watched didn't really get too much, and they actually found the body. But the police were there before I think it was five o'clock in the morning, and they the neighbors had claimed that the dog the dog's incessant barking started start around ten fifteen thing, and it was a sharp cry followed by a bunch of barking, and so that's when the cops think that this happened. Yeah. So not only was this dog barking and it brought the attention to the neighbors. There's this dog that was barking. Neighbors, like multiple neighbors came out mm-hmm. trying to figure out why this dog was barking. They, they were able to leash it and was like, maybe if we walk it, it will calm down. But they've noticed while leashing it that the paws were also covered in blood. Very obvious. But as most dog owners know, sometimes your dog steps in glass, steps in whatever. That on the may ground. have been why it was barking to begin. That may have been why it was barking. That's why it was bleeding. They don't know. They were just like, let's walk it, calm it down. Well, anyways, when they started walking the dog, the dog does pull them towards Nicole's house, just mm-hmm. then where they find a female body laying down. I believe it wasn't until cops came that they did find Goodman. Goodman's body yes. as well. Um, Ronald J. Goodman, who, um, who was a good friend, many believe to be more than friends, and that's where a motive. That's where their motive immediately connects. That they think OJ OJ Simpson may be connected, but we're not quite there he yet. He was also a waiter at the restaurant that she worked at. Yeah. Yes. Um, so at the time, um, Nicole and Simpson, or OJ Simpson, were so the evidence they found immediately whenever they got there was a bloodstained glove, 
a black knit beanie, and a, a bloody footprint in a trail of body, a trail of blood leaving the scene. So the detectives said that they wanted to inform OJ before media caught wind of everything and made it blow out of proportion. That um, just seems weird. Like, so you're a cop, you show up to this crime scene, there's been a murder. Why is your first instinct, you know what I should do? I should go and to her husband's. Her ex-husband of two years, by the way. Yeah, her ex-husband of two years' house. Like, that's where, that's where I'm going. Before we, like, investigate this any further, I'm going to, I'm leaving an, an active crime scene I am, that I've touched. I am um, detective number, I am detective and two, five on the scene. So that's half of your manpower. Yeah. I'm leaving a crime scene that I've touched to go to another, not even potential suspect, but just to another place. Family member's house. Another family member's house, which... Not even which really isn't a legal member. practice. It's not a legal practice. No, you, it, it's a phone call. It's a, hey, we we're wrapping up the scene. You have one of your uh, street officers inform the family members as it becomes necessary. It's not quite literally within an hour or so of the happening. Yes, but I digress. So what happens when they get to OJ's house? So the detective said they wanted to um, inform OJ before the media caught wind. So after about. They go in there, they hit the buzzer, and nothing happens for about five minutes. Okay, they hit the buzzer again, nothing happens. They notice there's a white Bronco parked out front. White Bronco has, it's like a blood drop. It's a little bit bigger, but then it drops. So you can imagine almost like a thumb-sized drop on the door handle. So their immediate reaction is, oh shit, this is connected to the crime scene I just I, left. I don't, I, as you're telling me that, I don't think that's enough to be like, oh shit, because... A stain that is a crimson red on a white Bronco, which a lot of stains on a Bronco could look red because it's a white Bronco. I could say that's hot sauce. It does not <laughs> not mean it is tied it to not, the, it the crime not, scene. It does not warrant. A, but regardless, this is what the officers said they were thinking at the time. So the officers, fearing that OJ may be either the next target or involved, one of them jumps the fence in order to let the other detective. So the detectives go in there, they, they look for um, OJ, they don't find OJ, but they knock on one of the guest house on the estates. One of the guest house contains OJ's 25-year-old daughter, who was living in the guest house. Um, she uh, informs them that OJ is in Chicago, they get on the phone with him, and they tell him what happened, okay? Um, they say, um, hey, um, your ex-wife's been killed, and he goes, I'll be on the next. That's weird. But within 15 minutes of that phone call ending, one of the detectives, I don't think I wrote down his name here because I couldn't the entire time, but we'll, we'll come up with a nickname for him later, don't worry, um, finds the other glove. So I mentioned earlier that there was a bloody glove at the old crime scene. Find the other glove right there. So I left an active crime scene where I found one glove Go to a... Now, in his defense, um, he was not one of the first detectives to arrive on the first scene, and a lot of the evidence was pointed out to him before he even got there. In his defense on that one. Also, did you know that he responded to a 911 call about OJ and Brown prior to this? I did not know that one. He was... <laughs> I know which officer it is, because he's also one of the officers who's, who testifies. Yes, and we're... Like I said, we'll come up with a we'll, nickname we'll, for him we'll, later. We'll get there. I don't, I don't want to get up a nickname. I don't want that, but... This officer is one of few that has a history with, with Brown and OJ. Okay. So, you know, whenever I say they may have gone over there just to inform him, this cop may have suspected immediately what he thinks happened because he has responded to domestic he, violence. He, now, he also now has a bloody glove that they find mm -hmm. at the estate. Yep. So um, the police arrest OJ the moment he gets on the premises and they bring him back to get an interview of him in the station. So, now this is really interesting where we talk about they bring OJ down to the station because OJ lands back in LA, gets to his estate, gets into his side yard, and they handcuffed him, which isn't necessarily a practice for suspects because, let's be honest, how many times did we see Jeffrey Dahmer in handcuffs when he was just a suspect of these murders? Yeah. Even when he was going into court, he wasn't handcuffed. And this is something that people did point out during the trial as part of the 
racism and, and we'll come back to that as we get farther into this case but just letting you know that before he was even told why he was being brought down to the station they put him in handcuffs yep which um as we'll talk about here in a moment he was very compliant with the officers yes i mean imagine being jet lagged and then being put in handcuffs you know mm-hmm. especially because just got to chicago he had to turn around and come back yeah and now he's in handcuffs like i could not imagine just how groggy you would be yeah so they arrest him the moment um he gets there police didn't press too hard because um he kept giving vague answers timeline we know he went to mcdonald's with one we know he said they asked him you know what time did you come back and he said uh sometime after seven is one you're not keeping track of time whenever you got done having mcdonald's with your friend you don't have to be. You don't have to get on the jet yeah. till midnight. You don't. You don't gotta worry. You're OJ Simpson. Yeah. The plane's gonna wait for you. This yeah. is also the early '90s. So yeah. Oh, who cares if you're 30 minutes wait late? The plane's gonna wait for you. Yeah. It's not. It's not like nowadays. After post 9/11 world, you gotta exactly. worry about three hours to get through security. Yeah. But um, they they noticed some weird um injuries on his hands, and they asked me like, I, said, it's, I don't really know. And they didn't press him too much because this was a very rich man who knew who was friends with the best lawyer in, in California. And if they pressed him too hard, they were afraid he was just going to lawyer up and that was going to be the end of it. So OJ then voluntarily gave him his blood for the um, investigation. And OJ's blood was found at both the um, both of the crime scenes. So I also want to point out the blood that he gives. He gives eight liters of blood. Mm-hmm. The, the nurse who draws the blood notes and even like recalls that she drew eight liters of blood i believe it was only 6.4 liters of blood that was just, was recorded that he gave don't worry we're, we're gonna get into all the all the bs that happened um how badly lapd screwed up so on the 17th so this started on the 13th so four days later the police informed Simpson's attorney that they be arrested and he asked for um the attorney asked that oj be given until 11 to surrender which is not common practice, as I'm sure you're aware. Whenever you're, arrested- but I mean, like, that, that, I get it because he is a celebrity, and not just any celebrity. He is O.J. Simpson. He is the juice. Okay, but also, they're arresting him because they're going to charge him with double homicide. But he's the juice. Give him till eleven, my guy. I'm <laughs> sure nothing will happen. Yes, I'm sure that this won't be a, a, a spectacle that the entire country watches. So what happens? He turns himself in at 11? Uh, no, just before 2 p.m., OJ's considered a fugitive. <laughs> what? They waited. So not only is he like an hour late. <laughs> he's three wait, hours late. <laughs> they wait three hours to be like, okay, he's not coming in. So three hours later, Robert Kardashian, the, law- the one of the best lawyers in California. that we Robert Kardashian. About- Let's pause there for a second. <laughs> Robert Kardashian. Do we know who Robert Kardashian is? I did he not is, until I is, started this. He is this. the father of the Kardashians. Yes. Died, died, I believe, in 03 from cancer, the big C. The big C. But all I'm saying is this makes sense now of why we know the Kardashians. Yeah, this is a big case. We talk about it so much in modern culture. But, I mean, I think we need to start going and looking at the 1970 bills. If if they did, if they didn't get that first draft pick, they would not have gotten OJ. OJ would not have met Nicole, and well, we wouldn't be here right now. So we can blame the the Buffalo Bills for, for the canceling the Broncos. No, for the Kardashians. No, they canceled the Broncos too. How did they, they cancel the Bronco team? No, they didn't cancel the Bronco team. They canceled the Bronco truck. No, they didn't cancel the. I don't blame the Buffalo. <laughs> I blame. We'll get into it. That that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Okay. I know what you're getting into. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying, if you killed two people so hard they canceled the Bronco, I think killing four people should cancel the Hyundai Elantra. That's my new campaign: cancel the <laughs> Hyundai Elantra. Can't, we're done. We're we're tired of canceling people now. We're canceling I, I, cars. cars. I'm let's cancel the Hyundai completely. Not just the Elantra. How the entire the, line of Hondas. How long was the Bronco gone for? Like ten, like twenty years. About. Hyundai Elantra, so that needs to be 40 years of four homicides, right? Yeah. With okay. Double it. <laughs> uh, double it and give it to somebody else. <laughs> okay, so anyways, he reads what basically sounds like a suicide note in a press conference. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, lots of hit it me, was, Hit me with the highlights. 
yeah, because lots of it was just talking about um, thanking his friends and family for all that they've done for him, for getting him to where he was. What, so, what, what, is, what is a line in that note that sticks out to you? So the biggest one, I'm going to go ahead and read. There's uh, six lines here. First, everyone understands. This is how he starts it off. To whom it may concern. First, everyone I understand. I have nothing to do with Nicole's murder. I loved her. Always have and always will. We had problems is because I loved her too much. And, and this is in regards to the press. He says, I know you have a job to do, but as a last wish, please, please, please leave my children in peace. Their lives will be tough enough. I think of my life and I've done most of the right things. So why do I end up like this? I can't go on. No matter what the outcome, people will look and point. I can't take that. I can't subject my children to that. This way they can go on and go on with their lives. So that was the, um, the what kind of pops out to me is either he wants to maintain his innocence so much even after death that he's willing to do that, which most innocent or most um, guilty men wouldn't. If they're going to off themselves. They're going to yeah. say what they're saying. But that's interesting. Also, the as we'll get into later, and I didn't think about this until you had brought it up um, while we were talking about this ahead of time, but please, please, just leave my children. We'll come back. All right. It's a line that I want you guys to remember, and we'll come back to it at the very end of this episode. Yes. But as this is going on, somebody hears about this on the news that OJ's on the loose. The juice is loose. <laughs> Someone hears this. And goes, hey, I see a white Bronco on the freeway, and I think that's OJ. So he makes a call. Inside that Bronco is OJ, and, and in the driver's seat is his friend Al Collins. Yes. Collins. And they're, they're on a low-speed chase, right? They were going like 45 miles an hour, right? Yeah, just through Los Angeles. I mean, through black neighborhoods, which we'll get into that a little bit right now, is going through black neighborhoods. OJ was being chanted on. Go, OJ. Everywhere the juice he, is loose. The juice is loose. Everywhere he went, there was people with signs. With uh, Everybody was cheering him on. Nobody knew quite why he was, like, they knew he was a fugitive in connection to a double homicide. But the juice was a, he was like, I want to say closer to, like, how Shaq is, like, a sports personality that has become, like, everybody likes Shaq. Yeah, I mean, at this point, OJ was doing movies. He was doing sports commentary. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, NFL Hall of Famer, my guy. Like, can you imagine? And he always had a very like nice facade for the, a nice personality that he was putting out. It's like, it's. Have you ever seen the Shaq seem angry? Like in any of his commercials or anything? Not in his commercials, but I mean, I've seen him angry at, at games where he gets in people's faces. <laughs> yeah, but but like, no, I get you. Like overall, he's a pretty like likable person. Like everybody, for the most part, everybody, nobody could double homicide. What are you talking about it, it. That is crazy. So. Again, like you go through these black neighborhoods where he's more popular mm -hmm. and you're getting all these praise when you go start going through the rich neighborhoods and you start going through Beverly Hills and stuff like that, where you get upper class white people, mm -hmm. you get the Jewish community who are the ones who were like up in arms about this. Mm -hmm. And e even at this point, they were, he was still mostly supportive. I'm sure if you knew, but a yeah, lot of over 50% of the United States was behind OJ. OJ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so during the chase, he was on the phone with, um, Police and others that were tr they were trying to talk him down because he was suicidal. He not only was he in that car on a low speed chase, he had a gun to his head. Yeah, mm -hmm. he had he, a gun to his head, not Al Collins' head. He had a his, gun head. To his own head, which he also was, further supports the fact that he may be suicidal. Mm -hmm. Especially after that note that was read on live television in front of everybody. Yeah. So um, they they finally get to um, he gets he drives all the way to his house, I believe. Yeah. They they they're on the phone with OJ. Mm -hmm. They kind of talk him into turning himself in. Going to his house, they'll meet him there. Yep. And so um, they, they arrest him about uh, before 8.53. And in the Bronco, they found a fake mon monk stash? A, a fake monkey mustache and mustache. beard. Okay, and beard. A, a passport is and a lot of cash. So I know you said mustache and beard, mm -hmm. but on here it says bears. Yeah, he has a fake bears. He has a bunch of fake bears. Don't worry Mustache about and fake bears. Like bears. <laughs> so not only can you not talk, you can't write. Dude, who taught you how to read? Nobody, okay? I'm doing my best. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's really weird. Is why would he have a fake mustache and fake beard with his passport? Did he did he plan to go into the airport? Hand his him real his passport. own his real passport and be like, here you go. They look up and it's OJ it's like, with a oh, fake mustache. OJ Simpson, and they look up and he just got a fake mustache and beard, and they go. 
my my man, the Jews. I I know who you are. Like everybody knows who you are. What are you doing? But um, so now we're gonna you go. Know, and- you know what you call uh, OJ in disguise? Sunny D. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what is Sunny D? OJ in disguise. It's, ba- it's basically just OJ. So we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna go at- get into um, the trial. The trial. So the pro- so what we're seeing is a lot of times you'll notice that with big cases there is a very long turnaround. The defense is preparing their defense. The prosecution is de- preparing their evidence, and they're both like, it's usually a year or so before something like this gets finally brought to court. Yeah, but from what I understand, it it sounded like Robert Kardashian kind of pushed this trial. Yes. He was like, fine, if you're going to charge us, let's go to court right now. Let's do it. Yep. And uh, the defense attorney actually, um, the uh, sorry, the defense attorneys did say that their whole thing was, we're going to get in there before they have a chance to understand the evidence they have in their hand. It's just plain and simple. We're going to make sure that we point out as many mistakes as they made as possible, as quickly as possible. Also, let me let me set the scene for this trial because... This is right after the. This Ro- is right after Rodney King. Rodney King happened in ninety two. This is ninety four, ninety five. Still fresh in everybody's. Still mind. fresh in everybody's mind. Tensions are high, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people, this was a chance to show what African Americans go through on a daily basis, mm-hmm. because there was so much. It was a very police mishandling in this case. So I want to start off by kind of backtracking to remember when OJ willingly gave his blood. So, not only was that blood drawn was 8 liters, and it came to 6.4 or whatever, when recorded, when they drew the blood from his house, they took it in a police car and drove it to the crime scene. Not to a lab. Not to a lab. (laughs) They drove it. A nurse handed it to a cop, so it's already been transferred to a different person. That cop drove it to an active crime scene where there is other blood and gave it to another person. And it wasn't until later that day that that blood actually made it back to the lab. Oh, and you know what else? A blanket from his house was also, that had blood on it, was also taken back to the original crime scene and taken out of the vehicle that it was originally in. One of the forensics assistants was like, this was her, like, her third case that she's ever done. Mm-hmm. And... She, they've caught her not wearing gloves. Not to mention the fact that at in the she LA, didn't change gloves when handling certain objects in LAPD. It was not required for anybody to change gloves um, in between different DNA samples. And when asked about it, the officers the officers go. They said at trial they said, "Is it required for LAPD detectives to change their gloves in between um, samples?" Yeah, no. Are did you change gloves in between samples? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, but they caught multiple not only detectives but forensic scientists not wearing gloves, not changing gloves. Mm. And then one of their big, their big, like groundbreaking things that they had for the case was some blood on the back gate. That was not taken until almost three weeks after the initial investigation to go through the house. Yep, it was not photographed they just said they missed it when they did a second go around of the property and they're like oh we found this blood when they took the blood it was near you condition as in i could have taken it straight out of your body and that's what it was they also found a chemical in there in this blood sample that had a i forget the name of the chemical and i'm so sorry but it is the chemical that preserves the blood for sampling like this so Sus. Sus. And the reason that this is now sus is because not only is OJ getting put on the stand to testify, police officers are being put on the stand to testify. Mm -hmm. One of the police officers, the police officer that we've mentioned, gets put up there. So this is the this is one of the detectives, the detective that jumped over the fence. So um, he was asked because the the prosecution or the defense knew this. They asked him. Do you have any racial biases or have you said any sort of racial slurs or derogatory terms about the African-American community in the last 10 years? And he said no. 
cut back to like i think it was like two years two prior years. he did like this whole interview to assist with this documentary that somebody was making and in that he drops the n-word like every times. other line 40 times <laughs> like 40 times when he talks about like doing certain like bust and certain investigations and he uses n-words and and all this other derogatory well, terms he goes well you can't approach an n-word who's just out of prison ju- juiced and crazy you gotta approach it like this and like that i'm like oh my god man yeah he drops it quite a bit of times but with this as well is that he also started over exaggerating some of his encounters his run-ins his investigations that the police of the chief of police came out and go he was obviously over exaggerating these but he did come out a lot of these cases with a bias when they then asked him if possibly could have tampered or messed with any evidence involving this trial this case he pled the fifth and was taken off the stand you know want to know the worst part about this leading the fifth does not mean you're guilty no do, do you want to know the worst part about this what the prosecution was informed by advisors to not have this man testify because anything that he might have said that was true is now completely discredited because of the yeah because of his it, actions once the public knew that this man was going to testify even before he got on the stand people started sending robert kardashian like letters and letters of just evidence of just this man is a piece of shit. This man's a piece of shit. And it was constant evidence. It's mm-hmm. also how they figured out that he had this tape of this because the person who was doing the documentary was like, hmm, and sent it in. Yeah. But this man had so much complaints against him that were getting sent into Robert Kardashian. For all we know, this man didn't actually temper with evidence. We'll never know because they freaking put him up on. For, to, now he's going to be pleading the fifth. He pleaded the fifth. Everything that he said leading up to that gets thrown out. And the worst part was, is from what I understand, he had a very detailed breakdown of good evidence and like actual police work that happened that just got thrown away now let's also talk about the the jury because i feel like we did not mention the jury yet no we have not so the jury was another big thing that we need to point out is there was eight it was it was worried that it would be biased so it was a jury made of uh women and african-americans it was Mm -hmm. african-american women african-american men it was um eight african women african-american women color or african-american women if i remember correctly yeah. Was, the, was the majority of the and the prosecutor or the prosecutors were told like hey you know it, in previous cases African American women in this area the jury tends to have less of a sympathy with domestic um, violence victims yeah. and the prosecutor ignored that completely and said oh no I got this I can handle this and despite the fact that the um, counsel told them that the majority of your jurors Will not um be sim- will not sympathize with the victim. They first came out and their whole line was to sh- was to pray O.J. Simpson as an abuser who spiraled out of control or got jealous. And they it, surprise surprise that didn't appeal with jurors. Nope. So I find that very interesting. I just want to point that out before we continue. So we bring in another piece of like crucial evidence which is the gloves. gloves. Now, I, I have my own pair of gloves. These are not the gloves, but I brought my own gloves. What I think is very interesting about this is that one was found at OJ's house, one was found at Brown's house. When he went to try them on in court, and it was the biggest, the, the biggest and my favorite line in all of just any case ever, Yeah, is if the glove does not fit, Buster Quinn. Yeah, so... How easy is it to make it look like your hands don't fit in that glove, by the way? Oh, it looks like, if you guys can tell, it doesn't look like my hand's going to fit in this glove, yeah? Like, you can see, this looks tight. Yeah. This feels very tight. My hand just went into that glove. Yeah. Um, not to mention the fact that he, um, whenever they told O.J. Simpson, the prosecution, again, being advised not to do this, asked O.J. Simpson to attempt to try on the gloves. Yep. After being advised not to. And in also, order, how did they store the gloves? They freezed it. And then unfreezed they, it. And then freezed it again. <laughs> and then unfreezed it. So who knows how much it shrank or grew since then. Um, then he put on surgical gloves to make sure that he was not going to contaminate the gloves. 
So there's a little bit more um, width there. And then they let him put on the gloves. These would be big for my hand, but it's not very hard. And like it's going to have a hard time fitting in there. If the, if the glove does not fit, you must, the jury must acquit. So that was the big scandal. Everybody, it was on live television. Everybody saw it. But what was even crazier is on television, the average people were getting more evidence shown to them than the jurors were showing um, OJ's. Because more evidence was coming out because this was a very speedy trial because they didn't have all the evidence necessary at the time. Maybe some of their DNA hadn't come back. There was lots of evidence that was being shown to the television people that was not being shown to the jurors that may have swayed their mind. But as we know, later interviews, one juror stated that they wouldn't have convicted OJ no matter what it was because this was revenge for the police brutality on Rodney King. Also, after, after all this, after the, the verdict has come back mm-hmm. that OJ has been found not guilty. One of the juror has been spotted making eye contact with OJ and giving the Black Panthers Black Power symbol. It's the mm-hmm. fist, which later comes to find out. Not only did he do this Black Power symbol to OJ, that member of the jury was also part of the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Again, with tension so high after the Rodney King investigation, it's very. I just don't understand how that was able to slip through because that does seem like a very strong bias. Yes, that seems like um, there was not a lot of filtering going on in the um, in making sure that it was done properly to make sure that there wasn't any biases. Um, now, there was lots of evidence that wasn't included. There was lots of 911 evidence that wasn't included. Um, there was... Um, the Another piece of evidence was... I can't live in a world without her. Um, I'm the only one that deserves to get hurt was things that OJ was saying while he was in the Bronco. And that wasn't included because they were afraid it was going to make him seem sympathetic or regretful. Yeah. For maybe something he may or may not have done. So that's pretty much where he got, he got acquitted there. And then um, in the following years, I believe it was 08. He was um, charged with, or he got charged with armed robbery and kidnapping. He was put away. 33 years, but was released on parole in 2017. Yes. So, um, so the juice is loose. The juice is loose. The juice is loose. The juice is loose. Right. What, what was also crazy was that um, with more evidence shown and all the previous evidence on top of it, they did bring him into a civil court and charged him and he was found guilty of wrongful. Yes, he was charged with uh, wrongful death and did have to pay, uh, be basically financially reliable. Mm-hmm. For those murders. And that's kind of like a double-edged sword because, like, look, man, you, you lost your chance to commit to um, convict him because you screwed up. The LAPD screwed up bad. Screwed the juice. They failed to screw the juice, actually. They failed to screw the juice. Now he's more popular than... I mean, he, he, did, he did have opinions on uh, the, the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial, so... <laughs> anybody follows him on Twitter. Just... Take a step out. This one man. All right, and then um, but now this is set and done because this is a conspiracy podcast. I do want to bring in a conspiracy, and it is the one that I am most likely to believe. Okay. OJ did not murder Nicole Brown or Ronald Goodman, but I think I might know who did. And, All right, and this comes from like. And as funny as this comes, is one of the main sources that this was was TikTok, TikTok investigations, and other private eye investigations came to this assumption. We believe the murderer of Nicole Brown was O.J. Simpson's son, Jason Simpson. All right. So who is Jason Simpson? He's first son of O.J. Simpson. He was uh, born in 1970. When he was seven is when his father married Nicole Brown. His parents divorced in 79. Uh, OJ went to marry and father two more children with Nicole. Um, a lot of people didn't know this. Jason did have a very diff- a difficult childhood. Um, he was abusing alcohol, ecstasy, cocaine. Um, 
medical records show that he had like three recorded suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. So like he definitely had like a very troubled childhood. And I mean, I could not imagine what it would be like. Not only have like I understand uh, parents who split and getting like a stepmom and, and stuff and and stepmom having children and having half siblings. But imagine but, but you're also in the public eye. Your father is one of the most popular men in America. Can you imagine everywhere you go, you see news about your about your parents separating? Yeah, like that's crazy, you know. So, uh, around the time of the murders of Nicole Brown and Goldman, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Jason was kind of going through a criminal record. He had like mental health issues. He was going through a lot this time. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make him guilty, but let me let me point a couple things that will kind of incriminate him did have a criminal past. These arrests included like DUI, suspended license, um, assault with a deadly weapon. Like, so he had a couple charges against him. I'm not going to go too much into that, but he does have a couple cases against him. With that comes a, uh, he was diagnosed with a rage disorder. Okay. So he has, um, it is commonly referred to as like Jackal and Hyde syndrome, where he goes from like one person to a completely different person. Okay. Um, they did find his private diary, which does reveal, like, very violent thoughts. Um, in that diary, one of the sections is titled Dear Jason, which is basically him talking to himself, where he says that there's three people here that I know of. And he kind of goes back and forth in this note in his, his diary where he's, like, kind of going back and forth with, like, harming himself, harming others, not knowing who he truly is anymore. So he's kind of going through like this mental kind of state. Uh, there's physical evidence that actually does link Jason to the murder scene. So yeah, um, the biggest question was, well, why the hell is Simpson be wearing a cap to somebody who he's also bald? He's going to be wearing a nightcap or like a knit cap to a murder scene where he's killing somebody he already the only person who's going to see him somebody he already yeah. So it was kind of like well. So yeah. that, that black knit cap that you're mentioning, it was like uh, a Navy watch cap that was found at the scene, had fibers in it, uh, but it was coated in dog hairs. OJ didn't own a dog, but you know who did? His son, Jason. And those were compatible. Okay. Uh, they did find Jason's storage locker, and someone actually purchased Jason's storage locker with all of his items in it. Okay. And they found pictures of Jason with the dog and him wearing the hat. Okay. Right. That was dated in 1993 is when that picture was found, right? Yeah. So a year before. Uh, the LAPD also found 15 unknown fingerprints at Brown's house where the murder took place, which none of those matched OJ's prints. And they failed to ever compare any of those prints to Jason. So there is 15 unknown prints to, to this day, day that they never ran. Wow. There's also blood and skin found underneath Nicole's fingernails that did not match DNA, uh, OJ's DNA. Uh, Goldman had third degree uh, black, had a third degree back belt and was found with his hand, uh, bruised hands, suggesting that he had fought against the attacker. Uh, so I think that's very interesting because, like, if you have a third degree black belt, you obviously yes, have you you may that. still lose to a man who's absolutely ripped and an athlete. Like, yeah, and I mean. If you're OJ's son, I, I assume that you did some workout. Yeah. You, you, you had to be some type of athletic. So let's go with along the line with OJ for a second. Yeah, OJ may have been able to eventually kick his ass, but there still would have been just a couple bruises on hands. Yeah. So um, whenever OJ was stripped for the LAPD after the murders, there was no signs of bruising on along his ribs or anything like that indicating a actual fight occurred. Yeah, and Jason's DNA was never requested by police, nor was he ever interviewed by the LAPD. And so if there was any legitimate DNA, let's just say that not all the DNA there was planted. Maybe some of it was planted to try and strengthen their case mm -hmm. against him. Um, the DNA that was organically there may have been Jason's and been a just close enough match to his father. So, yes. So remember that storage locker I mentioned that was bought, that was previously owned by Jason? Inside that locker, they did find a knife. Now, the Swiss knife and the stiletto knives that they ran that OJ had were not a match to the murder. But the knife that they did find in Jason's storage locker, the base did match indentations on the back of Nicole's head. 
So I think that's very interesting, and it was never proven. But also, to further this, is Jason previously attended an RBA Navy Academy, and a former classmate did say that he had trained in hand-to-hand combat with a field knife. Okay. So he kind of has experience and knowledge with a knife, where OJ, on the other hand, said that he hated the sight of blood. Sorry. He's just dying. It's, it's okay. Yeah. And then Jason had no alibi. Jason uh, said that he was alone between the times of the murders. And he was at work. However, at the restaurant that he worked at, he had a written time clock for that night. Which doesn't make sense because everybody else in the restaurant used the electrical clock in, clock out. They used the computer check-in, check-out. Except for him. Except for him. He wrote his now, time card out. I have a question. Do you know if this was a normal occurrence for him to do that? No. Like, it doesn't say that there wasn't a regular occurrence. And he had a love-hate relationship with, I mean, Nicole that we know because it was a stepmom. And he probably also had a love-hate relationship with his half-siblings. I get that. Like, that, that is yeah. something that makes sense to me, and I would understand that. And what I also think is interesting is... Four days before OJ was arrested, he went and hired Jason, a defense team. Not himself. Jason. Before OJ had his own defense team, went and hired Jason, his own defense team. So I just thought that was um, very interesting. And it, it, not saying that it definitely incriminates Jason, but I think Jason should also be looked at. That, it, it wouldn't be that hard to um, find 15 fingerprints across cross-reference them because i think the fingerprints would be more solid than blood because i could technically share enough of the same dna with my dad that we would technically match and fingerprints are not that way and fingerprints are more unique it's it's easier to distinguish distinguish so i i think that's there and that that's my big conspiracy theory for this case what do you think so not because of how mistreated this case was We'll never know for sure. For all I know, it could have been OJ. I know it could have been done. And those are our two best suspects, and I cannot pick a more reasonable one. Because I can see a man um, he's going to visit his ex-wife. Because as we, as we talked about before, he did visit his ex-wife whenever he didn't want him there before. This time he goes over there, and there's another man that's getting a little bit too well, he's still in love with. I can see him losing. But I can also see Jason being okay in the head, having lots of problems, and blaming his um, the separation of his parents for part of it. I, I, I really couldn't tell you which one I believe more. Yeah, and my other thing is, is that Nicole's two kids were in the house during the murder. Yes, they were upstairs. They were young. So, my whole thing is Nicole left work that night at the restaurant, and mm. the reason that Goldman went over there Return glasses. Yep. Pick up glasses Ooh. that her mom left. Would it be too far-fetched to say, I'm going to leave the older son, Jason, in charge of watching the children while I'm at work? He snaps when I come back. We get into a fight. The fight goes a little too far. An accidental murder happens. But a co-worker appears. You can't have a witness to that. Or he loses his cool because he, he, he tries to save Nicole. And in that, they both end up. But and I do believe that in the, the crime scene indicated that the reason why there was so much evidence left behind was because the suspect was caught in the act by um, the co-worker. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think OJ did it. I know that people who were there and, and lived and watched this happen in real time have their own, own opinions about this. And of course, we're secondhand. It's kind of... With Martin Luther King, there's not a lot of people still alive that don't that have opinions. You know, we I'm just bringing it back to an old case. Like, it's a lot easier for us to form an opinion we can believe strongly. This one is a little bit harder just because things aren't don't. It doesn't seem nearly as solid, but I I lean I currently would say I lean towards Jason. I think Jason did it. See, I I agree. I'm I'm personally leaning a little bit more towards OJ, but it's not very strongly at all. Because my whole thing is. Technically, he was still in, in town during the murders. 
Oh, I did forget to mention, I think if his limo driver that was taking him yeah, so to his, the hotel. He was like an hour late to get it picked up by his limo driver. His limo driver said that he might have pulled up and then like came around to make it look like he was coming out of his house because OJ told him that, oh, I was just sleeping. Yeah. Uh, Which, again, I could also argue that what if what that was wasn't Jason? what if that wasn't OJ? That was Jason. Yes. Jason comes home. He goes, cool. My son's home. I see his car. I'm going to head out now. Yeah. At least I know my 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 child is safe, which yes. makes sense to me. And I can argue that. Yes, I, I can definitely see that. But I can also see I can also ask the question of why didn't OJ answer the limo driver the 20 times he was buzzing him? He was asleep. He said he was asleep. Was he? What would you really be asleep if you were that worried about? If you were willing to run? No, 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 no. Like I'm asleep. If you the were, doors if, open, I the first instinct of the doors opening, I would be like, oh, that's probably my son. Let me check the time. Oh shit, I gotta go. I realize there's my. I limo. can see that. So I'm just saying I could believe that. However, there's I could poke holes in that where you were an hour late. With that hour being late, is also the time of the murders. Yes. That's very weird that this one time you were an hour late, the limo driver thought it was so notable that you were an hour late. On the night of the murder? Like... Yeah, that's arguable. Let me know what you guys think. Let us know. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Or anywhere you can find podcasts. And if you really want to get a hold of us, go to BunkerBuddiesPodcast at gmail.com. Do you have anything else you want to plug before we go? No, I believe that's it. This is definitely more of an open one than I thought it was going to be. Whenever I came into this, I thought it was going to be a very much open and shut, especially when I first started hearing about how much the LAPD is. Oh, wow, it's just going to be LAPD screwed. And now there's a murder out there. It's like, they screwed up, and we don't really know because of it. And we don't know. But let us know what you think. But remember, stay safe, stay locked, stay loaded. We're going to see you next time. Adios. Adios. All right, so this is supposed to, mixing these two together is supposed to give you a Dr. Pepper. I have tried this before, and it does. Oh, shit. I need you to take this, my guy. (laughs)